Everyone hide your girlfriends. Brick is home. That's all I have to say. Welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm I'm honored to be here. Glad yeah. to be home out of West Virginia. No offense to anybody down there, but I got sick of it. Hey, Aaron. It sucks to have you back, man. Yeah, sucks to be here. <laughs> so me and uh, me, Brick and Aaron, we were just throwing around the pigskin a little bit at at Ben Avon Heights Park, and we were like, you know what? Let's just let's just hop on the show. Bryce Harper is the American League MVP, or the sorry, the National League MVP, and uh, Otani was the unanimous selected American League most valuable player. Congrats to those guys. What do you guys have to say about that? I think it's really cool that Shohei Otani is able to do two things. Play defense at a high level as a pitcher. And an outfielder. And an outfielder. And an outfielder like you, right? Yeah. Are you better than he is, though? Oh, yeah. I taught him everything he knows. But he's also a... He's a hell of a hitter. He's a hell of a hitter. And it was really cool to just see somebody like that come from... I mean, I didn't hear much about him whenever he was younger because I, I didn't really follow what was going on in, in Japan in the baseball uh, world there. But I know it's big, you know what I mean? So it was really cool to see somebody like that come in and just completely take over. And he, he re- him and Ichiro are like some of my favorite players ever. And they came from, they came from Japan and, and they just play the game a different way. I think it's really, really cool. Yeah, Japan is a force to be reckoned with in um, the baseball world. They usually give us a pretty good run for our money in the Little League World Series every year. But, um, yeah, actually, whenever I first found out about Otani, I only thought of him as a DH. I didn't even know that he pitches. Uh, I was, like, informed that later on. But he was always an incredible bat, man. He uh just a big power bat, you know. He uh, can, you can put him anywhere in the lineup. I've seen him hit lead off a couple of times. Uh, just anywhere, really. You kind of need him if you're the Angels. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean they have probably what's going to be the greatest player to ever live in Mike Trout on their team. He's, in my opinion, I think he's the best player in baseball, un- without a doubt. I mean, he didn't win the voting, but obviously he was hurt for a while and. Otani is, he's he's hot right now. So yeah, I mean it was just crazy the fact that he can hit, pitch, and play the outfield. It's truly, truly one of a a uh, one of a kind player. Yeah, I mean, there's always players in like little league. I mean, I feel like looking back at it, we all you know pitched and played outfield and hit, but like this guy's doing it with the best in the world. So. This guy's kind of like when in our in our little league days we had we had a, a Shohei Otani ourselves. Oh, we did. We had uh, he goes by the name of Megan McAleer. Meg, if you listen to this, I hope you are. I don't know why you were so fucking good, but it it was just ridiculous. Meg, whenever I remember whenever we were um, whenever we were playing in little league, I was on the Yankees and I was playing on my team. We had like uh, Zach Homel. Uh, Nick Sawicki was on our team. We were pretty good. We were decent. Luke Azen was on our team. We were a good little team. But um, we played the Mets, and that was Meg. We call him Meg. His name is Sean McAleer. He's uh, he's one of our very good friends. 
he was the biggest guy on in Little League, and he was probably throwing. He was probably throwing in the seventies whenever we were twelve from forty-two feet, which they do like a statistic in the Little League World Series where it shows you like the reaction time and what it's like to see that as a MLB hitter from sixty feet. And pitchers in the Little League World Series who were throwing seventies, it was like seeing uh, like ninety-four. So. As young kids, we were seeing the ball. It would it would leave his hand. It would leave his hand, and then you had to swing in like a second. Like you had no reaction time at all. So that's just crazy. And then and then obviously he was a beast first baseman as well. So I mean, we understand what it's what it's like a little bit to just be absolutely dominated in baseball. But Shohei Otani's just doing it on another level, day in and day out. They were they're playing. How many games is it? In the MLB, 82? Uh, no, that's 180. basketball. 180. 180. 180 games. This guy was out every single night just putting on a show. The hitting stats were certainly there uh, all year. You know, he's uh, the only player with 30-plus home runs and 30 strikeouts in a single season. So, yeah, I mean, he's doing it all. He was really hot from the beginning, kind of fell off a little bit. Some would say that uh, uh, that Vlad Jr. Mm-hmm. was more qualified to win it than he was, but uh, you just can't deny what he's doing because he's both ways, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, I think that he was well-deserving of the MVP. And uh, on the other side, Bryce Harper. I'm actually kind of surprised about that one. I would agree with that. So the next person in the National League race was uh, Juan Soto, who his slash line is 313 batting average with a .999 OPS. 157 hits, 29 home runs, 111 runs scored, 95 RBIs, and 145 walks. So that's incredible. And uh, Bryce Harper, it was just the two of them in the National League race. He was hitting 309 with 35 home runs, 84 RBIs, 42 doubles. 615 slugging percentage, a one a 1.044 OPS, and he ranked second in the National League in on-base percentage with 429 and 100 walks. And he was doing some great stuff in the field. Uh, he had 10 outfield assists, and I think that's it. But you just can't take away from him, you know. I you could, some could argue that. Soto had such similar stats, but it's also kind of a popularity contest at the same time. So Yeah, it is. I feel like that was a huge reason why Shohei won it as well, because, I mean, he is just such a humble guy. Stays out of a lot of stuff. I'm not saying Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is not a humble guy. I mean, he's a hell of a player. Comes from a great family. Um, he just He's just a stud. But I think that Shohei's popularity, because he could do two things that pretty much nobody has ever done. Like you said, he was... 30 for 30. That's just incredible. And he was the home run leader for the longest time. And I, I think he finishes the home run leader, which is just awesome. But for the National League, there's this um, there's this statistic. It's called 
weighted runs created plus or otherwise known as wrc plus and basically wrc plus is basically just like your runs batted in your rbi stat but quantified so basically what it does is is the definition is it's useful because wrc plus quantifies run creation and normalizes it so that you can compare players who play in different ballparks in different eras so it takes all of the all of the hitters from this year and takes into account where they play, uh, like the fan fan base, like how loud the fan base is in the stadiums that they play in, how difficult the pitchers they faced. So it's like a true statistic of who is the best hitter. And I know like a great hitter in Trevor Story was his WRC plus uh, basically was like, I think it was a 70. And the way it works is, a hundred is like your basic. Like everyone has an a hundred WRC plus, and then the way you go over is like the good things you do on against like a hard pitcher or in like a deep stadium. And the reason that Trevor Stories was under a hundred is because he plays a course field. It's so easy to hit home runs there, so they didn't take into account his home runs. Instead, they took into account all of his other stuff whenever he played at you know places like PNC Park or like deep ballparks that were harder to to hit as well in his course field. And Bryce Harper finished first in the league with an 170 plus WRC plus rating, which means he was the best hitter in every category. In just with everything taken into account, he faced the hardest pitchers, and he still finished on top. So that was, I think, that was a huge reason uh, why I think that he was deserving of the National League MVP because that's just super impressive to take in all of those factors. Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. They have pretty much every stat you can imagine anymore. But <clears throat> yeah, that one was tight for sure. I think it was actually tight both ways because um, Vlad Jr. was such was super qualified in the AL and uh, obviously Atani, and then Soto and Harper had pretty similar stats. You know, they played the same position. Another guy, though, that was talked about was Marcus Simeon in the American League. He had a hell of a year for a second baseman. He was killing the ball. So, uh, yeah, the Blue Jays had a really good team this year. Gotta love what they're doing. I really like the um, I really like the Bo Bichette guy on the on the Blue Jays. I think he he has a lot of potential. I think he's going to be a great player in a few years. He's he's young. I mean, him and Vlad are just going to run it in Toronto. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how that turns out for them. I I do wish for the best. I know we have a couple friends that are Toronto Blue Jays fans, so it would be cool to see the Blue Jays make a running in the future. And I hope that they do. I really do, because I love Toronto. I love their I love their ballpark. I love their fans. My the most iconic thing for me about the Blue Jays is they play the the horn whenever they score uh, or uh, hit a home run. They play that horn. Yeah, like in I like hockey. that. That's a hockey thing. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, you just have to respect what they're doing. They have a really young team. Uh, they made a run a couple years ago, then went back back down to the towards the bottom in the league. But they have a really young team, so they're back up and doing well. You know, you mentioned you mentioned the train horn in in Toronto, and every and I I heard that, and I immediately thought of the um. The Rangers and Blue Jays wild card game. I don't remember what year it was. Um, when Bautista hit what? what was it? Uh, I think it was a. 
I think it was like a three run towering topper topper bottom of the ninth uh home run to just like seal the game. And people were going crazy over that. Yeah. And uh the pitcher for the Rangers, didn't he he threw behind his back the pitch before, right? Yeah, well Bautista was always getting targeted because he was just a cocky dude. Him and Bryce Harper are like some of the cockiest people in all of baseball. I mean you see Jose Bautista getting into fights with he got into a fight with uh yeah Odor, he got into a fight with him, I remember that. But yeah, like you were saying, um they threw right behind him the game before, so it was it was high stakes there and, and you see like he did multiple other times, he made him pay whenever they would throw behind him. And if you don't know uh what video what video we're talking about, uh we're talking about the one in the uh American League Divisional Series, game five, this one. You know, they said behind the Minneapolis miracle, the Stefan Diggs touchdown to uh, send the Vikings uh, to advance in the playoffs. I think it was in 2016. They said that that was the loudest any stadium in sports has ever got, which is awesome. That's so cool. And one of the most disrespectful bat flips I've ever seen <laughs> by uh, Bautista after he hit that home run. He literally looked at the camera and looked at his own bench and, and just aggressively threw the bat uh, and stared down the pitcher the whole way running to first base. So that was, that was really cool to see. That's definitely one of my, one of my childhood memories that, and um, I believe it was Fran. No, it was um, Russell Martin hitting that home run in the blackout. That was also a wild card game. Yeah, I was actually, I was actually at that game and, um, in the uh, the pitch before the home run, um, one of the guys, there was a guy up in the stands behind me who actually started the Cueto chant, and then they did it for a couple pitches, and then he he drops the ball on the mound, and the whole stadium just goes crazy. And then next pitch, Russell Martin takes it left center field for a home run, and everyone just erupted. Yeah, I was I was actually at that game too. I was in the uh, bleachers in left field and uh, I remember whenever they started the Cueto chant I was that was very funny and that's why you know Johnny Cueto said he'll never pitch again in Pittsburgh because of that reason and I was also at the game after and uh, I was at I was there with some family friends and they were just doing that for everybody's name I remember Joey Votto would get up to bat and they'd be like Votto Votto and he would like strike out and people would go crazy that's one thing about Pittsburgh sports is that they get so rowdy for those kinds of things. Speaking of um, Pittsburgh sports, the... Uh, How about them buckos, hey? No, the Steelers. The Steelers had a rough outing the other day against Detroit. Tied the 0-8 um, Lions. Yeah, uh, we... The Steelers really need... A quarterback, as much as I hate to admit it, um, I think the problem is that there's not a lot of good, clear-cut fits for our team. Not a lot of true first-rounders in uh, this year's college football season. Um, 
it's going to be a tough buy for the Steelers. Yeah. But um, I think their defense looks great. They've only allowed 185 points. Uh, that's one of the lower on one of the lower ends of the yeah. league right now. If you're under 200 points against, that's pretty good. Um, speaking on that, the AFC North is uh, it's pretty tight race. Yeah, it is. It's still, I think it's still one of the best divisions in football. I agree. The Bengals are looking really good. The Bengals are having a great year. The Browns. Are, are struggling. Yeah, they are struggling. I don't know about Baker Mayfield. I don't think that he's the guy. I really don't think that They've he's the guy. They just look like come. total garbage recently, but um, it, it's still, the, every team has at least five wins in the AFC North. So I still, I like to think that that is definitely the, the most well-rounded conference, uh, if not one of the best. Yeah, I think the one with um, I forget what it is. It's it's in the AFC. I believe it's the AFC West with or West or South. It has like the Chiefs, the Raiders. In that one, they got the Broncos in that AFC one. AFC West. AFC West. The Broncos. That one is also very. Good. That one is also very good. Um, most most AFC conferences are pretty good, except the South and the East. Have uh, the Dolphins, the Jets in the East, and then in the South, the Jaguars and Texans are yeah. very bad. But other than that, yeah, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt really quickly, but we just received breaking news that Chris Carson's season is now over. He is getting surgery on his neck, and his 2021 campaign is ending as a result. You know, that's crazy because Khalil Mack's season just ended today as well. That is crazy. And they're all dropping, man. They're dropping like flies. That's crazy. I know they're paying Khalil Mack, I believe, $23 million a year, the Bear, Chicago Bears are. So there goes $23 million right down the right down the drain right there. So, I mean, they're dropping like flies. You see them. They're, Amari Cooper was just downgraded to out this past week. I mean, he's on my fantasy team, sadly. Yeah, I don't know if you saw that, Brick. It's very upsetting. And, and I have, I have King, or King Henry, Derek Henry, on one of my one of my teams as well, and he's out. It just sucks, man. Injuries suck. It, you see, I mean, the the Steelers are affected by it right now, except Big Ben has COVID, but seems like there's a lot of things that guy can't stay away from. Yeah, uh, I think this has been a pretty good year in the NFL. I think there's been a lot of... There's a lot of winning teams. Uh... There's been, unfortunately, there's been a lot of injuries. I can speak on that behalf. Uh, Considering I have Chris Carson, uh, Alvin Kamara is out, I have Calvin Ridley, I have Russell Wilson, I have David Montgomery, I have the whole, I have the whole hospital on my team. So, um, yeah, a lot of injuries, a lot of winning teams. There's been some good hard-nosed football here, unfortunately. But my least, unfortunately, my least favorite part is the uh, the amount of flags I see mm-hmm. when watching an NFL game. Uh, a lot of penalties just thrown out here and there. I was when we were I was watching the Steeler game two weeks ago, and that I don't remember what player it was. 
It was the oh, it yeah. was the big white dude with the tats barely touched the ref for the Bears and uh they threw the flag. I thought that was ridiculous. You know, I I actually watched that happen live and when they when they showed the replay, it was it, it was kind of interesting that if you look the ref like the was he the linebacker? Was he the li- like one of the linebackers? Yeah, he was one of the linebackers. Okay, so he's walking he was walking back to the bench behind one of the refs, and you can see the ref like throw like a hip check almost. Yeah, he 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 stuck his ass out, and he and he hip checked. Uh, I believe it was number forty four. Forty four, I believe he was a it was a it was one of the linebackers. No, but he totally totally hip checked them, and then he threw the flag. It was like simultaneously. Yeah. So it was it was so weird. He just stuck his butt out, ran into in the. A linebacker ran into him, and then he immediately threw a flag. And did he get disqualified? I think he got a taunting call. I don't think he got disqualified. He might have got a taunting, taunting flag, and they definitely lost yards. I believe that that was a three. That was on a three and out for the Steelers too. So they lost that whole sequence. Yeah, that that taunting call. He was just what he did. He just stood there and stared at the bench. Yeah, he just he he gave a glance over to the Steelers bench, which I think was why they gave him the taunting call. But still, I mean, I I just. I don't agree with that. I think that the NFL is being very picky. But you think about it, who voted on those kinds of flags. It was people in the NFL, like a lot of the coaches. I don't think it was any of the players, but a lot of the coaches, a lot of the GMs, owners, just other franchise guys that voted on, on an increase in those kinds of flags. So you can't even be mad at the referees for calling that kind of stuff. I mean, the hip check was dirty, and I don't think that that was the right call to make there. But they asked for it. They asked for. It. I knew Mike Tomlin was on the voting, was on the voting cast for an increase in taunting flags and, and those kinds of personal foul flags. So that's just interesting to see how that all unfolded. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's. Mm, I mean, I don't really know what to think about it. I mean, obviously it's football. They're gonna, people are gonna get hit. I mean, it's just like especially that call with the Bears guy. I mean, I think it was just soft. It's, there's just really no point to it. Yeah, we um, my my grandfather he played uh, football at Geneva College in in PA, and he also played at uh, our former high school, Avonworth High School, and he always tells me stories about how, whenever he was in high school, you know there were <clears throat> there were fights all the time. People were were hip checking each other and 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 punching each other on the on the court. Or on the field, or wherever on the baseball diamond, and that kind of stuff. Did they just let it go by? And it's just crazy. It's just crazy, and, and honestly, kind of, kind of sad to see how soft a lot of things have be- have become. Like very small flags. Like I was watching a, uh, I was watching a college football game. I forget the teams who were playing, but this quarterback throws an absolute dime to one of the one of the wideouts, and the wideouts running down the field. He has about twenty yards to run before he gets in the end zone. Nobody near him. And he celebrates. He starts celebrating whenever he gets into the end zone. He got a flag, and, and the touchdown got taken back. So they completely lost the. They completely lost the touchdown. It's just a lot of things have become more and more soft. And I definitely saw that while playing high school sports. You know, a lot of a lot of teams or, or, or referees, umpires, even would get really upset about you know just expressing your your excitement for the game. I feel like you should be allowed to. 
not necessarily get in someone's face. I think that that's, that's unsportsmanlike. But you should be allowed to celebrate a little bit, which is why I was happy a couple of years ago to see the NFL allow players to celebrate more, which was cool. But then they're doing the exact opposite. They're not letting them celebrate on the field. Yeah. Um, I think the reason that they allow for so much celebration after the play and whatnot, it just helps them. And uh, it helps the NFL. Because you can't tell me that there are so many people out there that don't like watching a team do some kind of, you know, bowling pin uh, celebrate, you know, stuff like that. It just helps them. I mean, it's exciting for the fans. People just pref- people just like to see that, but then they're not allowed to play the game on the field, it feels like. So it kind of stinks. Yeah, no, I I agree. <clears throat> in um I know for for a lot of smaller schools in in college, you see a lot of um a lot more of of aggra- I want to say aggressive gameplay cuz I am um, I'm on the reserve basketball team at Point Park University and uh a lot of the guys on the team I I they come from all over the place and I notice how different it is playing with those guys brick you play baseball uh in college as well do you experience a little bit of that well i mean to answer your question i mean so far from what i've seen down in west virginia i feel like i feel like a lot of guys like when it comes to being on the field they're like they got their mindset they know what they need to do they get it done but off the field i mean it's just just a bunch of good guys. We all just go out, have fun together, you know, do every normal college kid stuff. Yeah, and and talk a little bit about Buckhand in West Virginia. I know, I know you're really enjoying it. Can you can you speak a little bit on your experiences so far as the transition from transition to a small town in West Virginia? Um, uh, where do I start? Well, I mean, obviously Buckhannon. Buckhannon, West Virginia, very small town. Um, Wesleyan College, we only have 1,500 students or so. Um, but the town itself um, is definitely old, definitely old. But, I mean, it's nice. I mean, for for how long it's been there, I would say that they keep it in pretty good shape. And you, you talked to me a little bit earlier about, about the people that are in uh, Buckhannon, West Virginia. Is there a lot of people in the college that are, are locals or are townies? You mean like students? Yeah, are there a lot of students or even people or teammates that you have that are uh, from the area that you uh, you can kind of speak on them a little bit? Um, as far as as far as the baseball team, I don't not that I'm aware of anybody being from from Buchanan, but um, I know that in one of my classes there's actually three people from Buchanan. But other than that, I mean, that's really all I know, like, as far as students. Yeah, and, um, you know, small towns like that, I think they give you a bigger pers- or perspective on on 
just the way you see things in, in different people. I know people who have gone to places like that that are small towns out in a, uh, in a country-style state like West Virginia kind of is. Um, do, you, do you like that kind of stuff? Do you like the, the countryside a little bit more than, you, than Pittsburgh? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, if, I, if I had to choose between you know, like the country or the city, obviously it would be the country. Um, Buckhannon, like, there's this one road that I sometimes take when I'm coming, when I'm going back from Pittsburgh, and it's just this long, it's probably like a 30-mile road, and it's just through farmland, wood, like, big forests, and it's just, it's a really, really nice drive, you know, and I forgot what I was going to (laughs) say. Yeah, no. Uh, places like that are places like that are, are you really appreciate it. So a lot of the town people in places like that are uh, are very nice, you know. Uh, and you were talking about how you would prefer the the country over the city. Uh, is there other people there who uh, do you think would prefer the same thing, or do you think that sometimes they're itching to get out and do other things? Um, the people. I mean, the people that I have that I have met and made relationships with like I know especially like guys on the baseball team it definitely comes they definitely come across as as country guys um but I know I have some some other people that I've met from different states that are from kind of city like areas and I mean, obviously, I don't know what they would prefer, but, yeah. But, so, it was Wednesday, this Wednesday. Um, we had the mayor of Buckhannon come in to uh, one of our classes and asking us some questions and, you know, typical, just, like, how do you like it? If you would change something, what do you, like, what do you not like? Blah, 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 blah. And the last question he asked us was, um, would uh, would you stay in Buchanan? He said, he said, raise your hands if you would stay in Buchanan to pursue a job that would pay well. And the way that he asked this question was kind of odd to me, because like, it almost seemed as if he had already known the answer to that question, just because he said, if you were in a job that paid well, like almost kind of persuading us <laughs> in a way, but I not one hand went up. And I, I felt bad because, you know, he's the mayor of the town. But, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. just it's just what it is. I mean, really. But that's just funny that he offered the a well-paying job and nobody raised their hand. Because, I mean, you're there for school and you're there for baseball. A lot of people there are for sports. That's the same deal with... Uh, with a lot of people at uh, at Point Park, there's a lot of, of Pittsburgh Pittsburgh natives that I, even I'm friends with, but the ones that are from out of out of town, I've met a, a great amount that are like I don't I don't really know if I like it here. I kind of want to go somewhere different, but I mean it's different with Point Park. I think a lot of the people are actually enjoying it a lot. So it just depends where you're at. I mean I I. I personally, I mean, obviously, I love Pittsburgh. I'm a Pittsburgh native. I've grown up here my whole life. But I think that the countryside 
is something that is is undervalued and something that I, I never really took into account until I got a little bit older and especially we started going up to places like Slippery Rock PA and done fishing and camping and all that kind of stuff. And I, I really appreciate that whole aspect of of life, of just the, the ranch style, like just nice in the mountains or in the farmland, just kind of relaxing and, and taking it all in. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, for anyone who's trying to pick a school, uh, you really have to just take a little to figure out what you really like. You know, you can't. Absolutely. There's one extreme and then there's the other, you know. I'm sorry. I'm trapped in a concrete jungle while you're out there in the middle of the woods, you know. And uh, I just think you have to really figure out what you like to do, whether you want a real campus, uh, whether you want more of an urban style get up. Um, Because trust me, if you don't like... If you don't like what you're doing, you're gonna get sick of it real fast. So, and I think, I think another aspect is definitely size of a school, because that definitely uh, helped persuade me. Because I wasn't really looking to go to a really big school, and just Buckhannon, um, or not Buckhannon, but Wesleyan had at the time when I had committed, it was I believe around twelve hundred students. But now we have 1,500 this year. And it's it's just really, it's a, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's just like a good social place because, like, almost everybody that goes to that school is an athlete, whether it be baseball, soccer, basketball, swimming, whatever, tennis, you know, all, all the sports. Yeah, no, I mean, everyone everyone has their own purpose, and it's it's all a matter of of making the most out of your time here. So, and and with that being said, I think that this is a good place to to kind of wrap it up. Um, again, I wanted to thank you all for listening. Uh, I would like to know more topics you guys would want to hear us talk about. Would you want to hear more about personal experiences in in personal interviews, or would you want to hear like set topics and things like that? Just some ideas. Um, and yeah, thank you both for for coming on. Rick, it was great to have you, man. Uh, I'd love to love to have you on again. And Aaron, it's it's a pleasure as always, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm I'm glad I could do it as soon as I got back. I was I was really waiting for it. Always a pleasure, man. Hell yeah, boys. All right, well, new episodes coming soon. A lot of my friends are home from break, so I mean, I'm gonna be. I plan on filming or recording, I should say, about every other day if not every day so rapid fire episodes should be coming soon um let me know what you guys want to hear and thanks again for listening i'll see you guys in the next one